0: All right. Hey, everyone. Uh, This is EJ Lawless with HR Tech Go to Market. Today, I have a very special guest, Ruben Harris. Ruben is a, I would say almost at this point, serial entrepreneur and founder of a company called Career Karma. From what I can tell, Career Karma is creating a category that is rapid reskilling and basically helping people get introduced to new skills where they can get new careers and better careers. Ruben really glad to have you here today. Would love to hear in your own words, career karma, what it is, what it does. And I think you also have just a, a very interesting story that I think may be involved organically and then also intentionally. And would love to kind of get into that afterwards too. Yeah, man. Well, AJ, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. I think the way that you describe
1: career karma is accurate. We are the easiest way to find a job training program online. Uh, these days, people are trying to figure out how to navigate their careers, and they come to us looking for career advice. I know that you spend a lot of time in the realm of performance marketing, and this podcast covers a lot of people that are doing that, but essentially it's important for us to inform, educate people about what's going on, what career paths exists, so they come to us for advice. Um, Assuming that they read something that is intriguing to them and they find a career path that they want to follow, we have something that we call fast track that allows them to get recommendations for the best job training programs for the career path that they want to pursue. So they will go to careercomer.com slash apply and we would recommend anywhere from three to five different schools that are interesting to them. What we've learned is that connecting people to schools and giving them career advice is not enough because these are psychological, life-changing decisions that people are making. So after we recommend schools to them, we actually connect them directly to other people that are like them in our live audio rooms that you can check out at career.com.com slash events. So eventually, after they have talked to enough people, spoken to schools, and read enough career advice... They have a community of people with them after they've enrolled in a program to make sure they can stay motivated and get unstuck whenever they get stuck. And then when they get to the job search, uh, they can speak directly with companies that are in our live audio rooms as well that are willing to hire them directly. So that's what we do. We're we're, we're a career navigation platform in the category of rapid reskilling.
0: Yeah, th- that's fantastic. I think there are a lot of, of great parts here. You know, One, I think the community aspect you all have built is... Is really great. I think what I see right now is that community evolving in different forms is such a huge part of people making transformations in their lives. I'm curious, how did you come up or how did someone in the company come up with the insight around community? What led to that initial idea? I think that that was born
1: from our personal experience. My co-founders, Archer, Timo, and I None of us knew how to code and we weren't in the tech world before we moved to the Bay Area in 2014. And you know, when we moved to the Bay Area, we didn't know anybody. And, but we knew that if we, if we took the risk, we quit our jobs, we pursue enrolling in a job training program like a boot camp, or a team, or did Hack Reaction App Academy, that even if we fail or lost a job or ran out of money, we had each other to be able to rely on. So like if I ran out of money, I could crash on Archer's couch. And if Archer ran out of money, he could crash on his couch. So it was kind of like a family of strangers. We wanted to, to take away the risk. And, and and we understood that it's easier to go through life if you have a safety net. So after we figured out how to break into tech and, you know, my, my co-founders, they, they became software engineers at Funding Circle and Auto Trader and and Blipper and my brother got a, a software engineering job as well by going through a boot camp. After we figured out how to do it ourselves, we realized that um, there's a there's a bunch of other people that are like us that need each other. And part of the part of the value of the bootcamp is not necessarily the education. A lot of people are like, "Well, why do I need a bootcamp?" To their point, education exists for free online. That's one of the beautiful things about education. But career navigation is not just about education. It's about psychology. And so even though the information exists for free online, most people don't follow through with it, even if they don't feel psychologically defeated, like building a habit is hard. Like, for example, if I gave you a personal trainer and access to a free gym, you still got to show up every day. So the, the, the bootcamp aspect, the, the community aspect actually gives you that digital and physical accountability to make sure that you start and finish something, which is another reason why things like college are valuable. It's not about the education. It's about the, the social aspect of it.
0: Got it. That, that makes a lot of sense. Now, I, I did some sort of research before we, we connected here. And from what I understand, you started out as a club promoter. Yeah. Uh, and then you got into investment banking. And Uh you didn't have that skill set. You sort of self-taught, spent the time and effort to do that. And I think you talked about it publicly as well. And so one of the things that I have wondered is, you know, I think that when I look at some of what Career Karma has has done, you're a very public face. I think I don't even know how many podcast episodes (laughs) you've been on. You have your own podcast. You're very public on Twitter as well. You know, you've been able to leverage your experience into a go-to-market approach, and sort of take your journey and transfer it out to other people and help people out. How much of that evolved organically? How much of that was intentional? And you sort of realized like, hey, this is working, I should lean into it more? It's a good question. Before Career Karma, it just started
1: off as more of a love project to just show that there are other people like us that are out here. Like I've been I've been really big on personal branding since i was like young when i was in in college i had a blog called the social reformer i would i would i was very early on twitter and it was less about personal branding and more of a documenting of the journey type of things i'm really into documentaries gary tan who actually led our series a he started a company called postrus back in the day i actually used postrus in college which is kind of crazy that he's now One of our investors, Um, and I've always been so as a musician because you know you talked about my club promotion days. I used to be a musician, and I've always watched artists, up and coming artists, growing up. And what's interesting about some of the most famous artists is they actually document the journey along the way. So you know, naturally going growing up in Atlanta, that was it was just more of like what I saw other people do versus it being intentional as a go-to-market strategy. And even when I was working at companies like AltSchool and Honor and even investment banking, a lot of people would wonder why I was always doing things on social media. And it was more of like, this is my digital resume. This is the way that I control my own story, All right? Because if, if you don't tell your own story, other people will tell stories about you. And what I learned is if people Google my name, then the things that I wrote pop up versus the things that media writes. And if media is gonna pop up, then it's gonna be something that I spoke to the media versus, you know, people writing it about me, you know, for the most part. And so with that said, you know, after launching Breaking and Stars podcast, which to your point you mentioned we did it before Career Karma. And then once we started Career Karma, Archer spent a lot of my co founder He's our chief technology officer, but also in charge of marketing. He spent a lot of time understanding the differences between organic marketing and paid marketing. And we realized how valuable podcasts and YouTube and things are when it comes to SEO and how it's evolving. And so it went from unintentional to intentional over
0: time. Got it. Okay. I, I think that's a great insight. Like one of the things that's interesting to me there is people talk about, I think, like steam education. So it's uh-huh. great to have the technology, but you also need the liberal arts uh-huh. as well to be able to communicate effectively. I think your experience sort of shows a lot of the value in, in having that different background. Because I know you started playing cello at uh-huh. the age of four, and then obviously sort of in, entrenched in the music scene and well, and have been able to take that. That's great. Yeah. One of the one of the other things I noticed about your background is it just seems like there's just been a big bent towards helping people. So you mentioned alt school, you mentioned honor, which I sort of understand is helping people in the aging process as well. What has sort of driven that almost sort of like altruistic? That's a good question. A few
1: things, right? So the tech world, soft you know, you hear a lot of people talk about software is eating the world by Mark Andreessen, which is true. You hear People talk about how software is reorganizing the world, which is an article by Balaji Srinivasan, which is also true. But as you think about software eating the world and software reorganizing the world, that can be for good or for bad, I think. If you look at the early days of the internet, a lot of the things were more of like a gold rush type of thing and creating software that was nice to have. But now you're starting to see people think deeply about problems that affect. Everyday people and how to create software that solves their problems, and because and part of the reason for that is because we still haven't reached global internet connectivity. There's, I think, there's about over three billion people that aren't connected to the internet yet, which is why Starlink is so powerful. But those p- people that aren't connected to the internet are in developing countries that have a lot of need, and and they have problems that. Are affecting them that are further down Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So we're in a we're in a time period where tech is going through a boom, but we know that tech go I mean the world goes in cycles right? There's bull markets and bear markets, and let's assume that we go into a bear market at some point within the next decade, which is likely. Um, I think that as an entrepreneur. It's smart to focus on pro- solving problems that are a need to have that are relevant regardless of whether it's a bull market or a bear market. And one of those things is getting a job. Another one of those things is healthcare, like you mentioned. Another one of those things is education and, and so on and so forth. And so, um, I'll say that's that's part of it. I like to focus on solving problems that are need to have for the domestic caregiver needs. But if, I also grew up in the church. So I'm, I'm seventh day of Venice. And I personally believe that we've all been given gifts. I just watched a really good Bollywood movie for the first time. In, and it's called Apna. It's called Gully Boy. It's so it's about and it's about like an up and coming rapper and how God gives you a gift and you don't want to give it back. You want to like put it out into the world and and follow your dreams. the The point of it is the point I'm trying to make here is that I personally believe that we've been given gifts and skills to put out into the world, not just to make it a better place, but to help others become better as well and to reach their full potential. So to me, career is not successful if we just help people get jobs. It's whether you believe in God or not, I, I believe that we all have a purpose and we have potential that has not been fully realized. That's it's, it's a, it's an ongoing process. And I, I want people to, be, to figure out or at least have an idea of what they were put on this earth to do. Because once you're aligned that way, everything that you do becomes better.
0: Got it. That, that makes a lot of sense. And I have to imagine that that sense of purpose that drives you sort of makes you a better entrepreneur. I imagine when things get hard, you sort of are able to draw on that and be like, you know what? I'm here to help people. Uh, and this is what I'm going to do. That, that probably just has to push you forward well, related in a lot to of that, ways. That's
1: a, that's a good point. Like, I mean, because I know that I'm what I'm doing with Career Comma is, is what God put me on this earth to do, if there's ever a hard time or a struggle that we're running into, I know that there's a solution for it. Or I know that there's someone I need to speak to that I just haven't found yet. And I just have to keep going until I find that individual or I discover that solution. Even when I can't see, you know, five steps in front of me and it's dark, but I know it's there. You see, it's very very important.
0: It it is. You know, I didn't mention this earlier on, but I know you do jujitsu. I do jujitsu. I've been Mm -hmm. doing it for... A while. And, you know, one of the things I see, obviously, about people who are good at jujitsu, they have a move. If it doesn't work, they have two or three that they're going to uh-huh. go back to. Uh-huh. Right. And that's uh-huh. sort of what I've noticed, too, is like, OK, you're going to do this thing. You might get stuck and you're going to go to the next thing and then the next thing. And eventually you're sort of going to get that position. You're going to get that control. Uh, it, it seems that's like right. That's right. I mean you'll you'll be in this position where like that move
1: that has always worked for you just is not working on this individual and you're like dang like there has to be a way out of this. And if you panic, you're not gonna be able to think about it. But if you like really relax and start thinking about what the counter move is to whatever it is, like there's almost always a way out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I think, you know, being in that calm state, if you can manage it or when you get to the point in the game where you can manage it, it makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And I'm far away from that. Just about my <laughs> same, same, same. Um, <laughs> without a doubt. But I know what you're talking about. So, you know, we've been talking about how career karma helps people. You know, career karma is not. You know, the people who listen to this might be on LinkedIn, undoubtedly. But from my understanding, career karma is not necessarily for the people, or just for the people who are on LinkedIn. It may not even be people who have completed college or attended college. Is that is that right? You're sort of helping an entirely different group of people.
1: That's right. I mean, even though career karma is relevant for the quote unquote white collar workforce, people like that went from banking into tech or from law into tech or hedge funds into tech or private equity into tech, like CareerCom is relevant for those people, but it's mostly relevant for people that did not follow that path and they probably don't have a LinkedIn profile. So
0: yes, 2 billion people that are blue collar. Got it. And so, you know, you mentioned early on the value that you see in self-branding is is one of Career Karma's product features, the ability for people to sort of create their own profile, build their own brand, Mm -hmm. sort of control their narrative within Career Karma? That's exactly right.
1: You know, I I like that you asked that question because it's subtle, right? I don't want it to feel like you have to do that. It's more like it just happens naturally. Um, In my opinion, the purpose of technology is to give people a voice, the power to create and the power to organize. And What's cool is as you go through Career Karma and you sign up for different things and you help different people, you're actually creating a digital identity online that can be searched by employers. So to your point, if you don't have a LinkedIn profile, but you have a profile on Career Karma, it will pop up on the first page of Google because we have such good SEO. And when an employer sees the documentation of your journey and our forums and the projects that you've uploaded and the rooms that you've participated in, that is all a comprehensive story that makes you more relevant than the average candidate. Because when you're applying to a company, Everybody's going to have the the skills. Your differentiator is not your job skills. It's like who you are and and what you've done for others and and what other kind of value that you could bring to the table. Like if, if I'm a teacher transitioning into tech and I'm applying to ed tech companies, the value that I'm bringing is actually not my coding skills. It's my years in education.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean actually I was listening to this podcast this morning that talked about the commodification of skills. Skills are easier and easier to get. What really matters is some of the soft skills. And it sounds like with Career Karma, it's actually possible to get a sense of who your potential coworkers are by looking at, you know, what they have done, what they said on forums, potentially even sort of getting to know them through these audio conversations as well. So it it probably provides a much better hiring and working experience or or certainly could based off all the information that people are sort of creating the identities are creating that's right i mean i think i think now
1: that remote work is not going away right remote work is kind of default here to stay yeah it's here to stay the whole world has to adjust including educators so some people are like i still prefer going to a physical campus and i'm like I hear you. I'm not mad at you if that's the route that you want to go, but it's probably a good idea for you to learn how to learn online and how to communicate online and how to collaborate online because you're going to be doing that in the workplace through audio, through video, through text, through emoji, through me. And even if you want to do a in-person environment or a hybrid environment, you're going to have to work with people that are going to be digital. And even as an entrepreneur, communication has been one of the biggest things that I've been needing to master. And what I've noticed from people that graduate from boot camps or colleges or whatever type of education that they choose to follow that's effective for their career is their main struggle is actually not the, the boot camp part or the education parts, actually the job search. And even after they get a job in tech, a lot of times they struggle to stay in tech because of just corporate politics and understanding the lay of the land and, and communication.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think depending on the size of the corporation, sort of working within a giant organization is an entirely different set of things. Obviously working in small company is an entirely different set of things. So like that organizational fit is a big one and it, it is much harder to learn. You know, you can't, necessarily put that on a test. Although it'd be interesting to see if someone's able to do that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so Career Comma, as I sort of pictured, is almost like a three-sided marketplace. You have the students, you have coaches, and then you also have the boot camps. Is that, is that how you all think about it? Do you think about it differently? I do think about it like a three, three-sided
1: marketplace, except I would add it, I would make it the the students the schools, which currently is boot camps, but we're expanding into higher education so that we're the front end of all job training. So not just boot camps and colleges, but also non-degree programs, short courses, corporate courses, even individual courses. So we wanna uh, do that. So there's the student side, there's the education side, but the third piece is actually the employer side. So we're also expanding into the enterprise where employers are paying for education, for the
0: current workforce, but also to attract uh, new hires. Got it. Okay. So you're getting the schools on board, and then you're going to the employers and sort of this enterprise motion. Like, hey, you know you're going to need to hire X number of people a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, even. Let's get some people in who you know haven't had that shot at tech, bring in some new skill sets and really expand the, the supply of talent, the pool of talent. Is that right? That's part of it. So that's one thing we're like, yeah, we can, we can give
1: people that don't have a shot tuition that's funded by employers, kind of like what Adobe does for the Adobe Digital Academy. But even less altruistically, even if you hire all of the talent, quote unquote, that exists in the market, it's not enough to fill the open roles. And the current training programs that are traditional two to four years, Like with community colleges and colleges, they take too long to meet the demands of the workforce. So, employers are saying, hey, let's just pay for tuition for talent and then just hire them at the end and tell the schools what we want and whatever timeline that we want it to happen and guarantee jobs at the end if they finish that type of training. And then you have employers that are also like, hey, we have all of these, let's use retail, for example. All of these... Workers in a warehouse or at a f- front desk, like a cashier, that are essentially in jobs that are going to be eliminated as we go digital. Why don't we invest in training them so that they can still have jobs with us in the e commerce division so that it saves us time hiring a completely new workforce where we already have talent that has legacy knowledge internally?
0: You see? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you are already working within HR, sort of helping them to map out the skills they have, the skills they'll need, and then coming up with plans to reskill existing employees in a short amount of time, rapid rescaling. That's that- exactly right. That's exactly right. And the the World Economic Forum
1: just came out with a big uh announcement saying that they wanna reskill a billion people by twenty thirty. And, you know, I've been saying I want to help a billion people in ten years. And so it's like perfect timing. For, nice. for that type of announcement, where not only are corporations getting involved with this, but so are governments and philanthropies. And there's no other platform other than Career Comma to bridge all of these things, which is education, workers, schools, companies,
0: leveraging software. Yeah, that, that's great. When you were starting out, how did you choose which side of this sort of multi-sided marketplace to go after? That, like you're like, I'm gonna get students because if we have no students, or you're like, I'm gonna get enterprises because I want to pay me money up front. How are you all thinking about it? Students always. And it's still always. that way.
1: You wanna you wanna do right by the worker because workers have been taken advantage of for years and including from from schools that promise to do good by them. They end up in predatory situations or they end up in like bad financial positions from a student loan perspective even if the institution is good but the job that they get is not exactly what was promised to them and and where they'll start college and they don't finish and there's just like a lot of like a lot of trust issues that the world has but they also have a desperate need so a lot of times they still make the same decision that they aren't fully comfortable with and and they don't really have a lot of They're not in an environment where they can get uh, reliable information from their friends or family because their friends or family never pursued those career paths, right? So it's important for people to be able to trust the advice that they're getting from Career Karma and for them to know that the recommendations that they're receiving in Fast Track from our marketplace will lead them to the outcome that they want within their desired timeline. That's number one. And the reason why that works for everything else is, like, if you have the trust of workers, then the schools not only have to go to you to get enrollments, but they also have to get the ad together, right? Because if they want to be viewed favorably in our marketplace, then they need to make sure that the reviews that they're receiving from our workers are high quality, Right and that they that they aren't just receiving five star reviews but like their outcomes data is relevant in the directory so we if you go to slash schools you should be able to see you should be able to see what's relevant in our directory you should be able to see where people are getting hired projects that are being uploaded so you can see examples you can see school comparisons by school and what individuals are staying, saying directly about them that's that's really important, and then if you have a the trust of the workers, you have the schools that have their act together, and then you also have outcomes data. Um, then the the companies that want that are starting to think about rapid reskilling, you know, rather than spending all their time being like, what school should I partner with? Which school is going to be best to train? 1500 software engineers in a summer which is like an example of a company that just came to me I could say rather than partnering with one school why don't you just partner with all the schools all right that are doing right by people and then you know everything else works out from there and then what's cool about having the employers is very interesting because if you have the employer involved you can actually make any school relevant even the ones that have historically been seen predatory. And this is a controversial perspective, but if you think about it, if a company will give someone a job, no matter what school it is, that and and the salary that they're giving is greater than the cost of the tuition, and it doesn't keep them in that loan for a very long time, then the company can essentially like bless any school and make it relevant. Is that what I'm saying with that?
0: Yeah. I, I mean, if if the company is willing to give someone a job and yeah. the cost of the education is not exorbitant prohibitive, then basically by you all having the students and sort of like working with them and then the employer is sort of guaranteeing the placement, it, it's in a place where these other education programs sort of will improve uh, in their relative value to the students sort of by having the guaranteed placement and making sure the cost of education is not too expensive. Is that right? That's exactly right. That's interesting. I mean, I, I think about it a lot, probably from the reskilling side. You mentioned outcomes, and then earlier on, you mentioned people not staying within tech necessarily. Do you have a sense of like what percentage of people are, are going through these camps, getting jobs, and then not staying? And then do you know like what the drivers are? Because obviously, getting into tech but not staying probably isn't that great an experience for, for people unless they're like, hey, I just don't want tech. Um, but I'm guessing that's maybe not the majority of that case. Do you have a sense of what drives those outcomes? I don't have that data uh, about like the
1: people that actually have jobs in tech and then they drop out of tech. I know that um, Kapor Capital, that's one of our one of our investors. They did a report called Tech Leavers, where it explains the percentage of people. I believe uh, it has data on like people that leave the workforce after they've gotten a job in tech and the reasons why. Um, And it has less to do on salary and things like that and benefits and more on culture and diversity and inclusion issues. And so making sure that you choose the right company matters as well. That's gonna make you feel welcome. And you know, similar to like what I said related to having a directory of schools that do right by workers, you know, as we get a critical mass of people that are employed that have gone through career karma, and we have a critical mass of employers that are involved paying for tuition and offering career karma as a benefit, and we have a directory of companies, there is also a world where we can give insight to companies about what they can do in order to help people feel more welcome because people in Career Comma do trust us and they share insights about what's going on. And also the companies themselves can attend our audio rooms and hear what people are saying about them so that they can do better.
0: Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I think that's going to be great data for everyone involved once you all get to that. that will be extremely helpful. And so the audio events, did you know you wanted audio events or did those just sort of evolve organically as well as you sort of like getting people together and I don't know when this came out like, y'all were like years ahead of clubhouse so i'm assuming that was not what inspired it but would love to hear a little bit more about the the audio events and how those came about
1: yeah i mean we've been we've been bullish on audio for a very long time i, I used to work for a radio station in 2007 when i was went to school in tennessee and then you know you mentioned club promotion I work with a lot of DJs like DJ Infamous at V103 in Atlanta, and we have Hot 1079 that work with us a lot. And you know, radio is very relevant for the type of audience that we are going for. They don't really listen to podcasts like that. That's, that's starting to change, but we've been pretty bullish on, on radio and, and audio. And that's part of the reason why we started the podcast. And fast forward to when we started Career Karma, we used to host. of. So when I first got to actually before Career Karma, when I first got to the Bay Area, I leveraged the experience that I had throwing parties and started organizing tech events where instead of featuring celebrities at the events, I would feature the equivalent of a tech celebrity like a ceo of a company or a vc but then i but then i was like you know what vcs and and ceos are also not relevant to our people why don't we just feature other people that look like these people that got jobs in tech so a good example is i did an event at slack with women's who code, women who code um we had five ladies that worked at awesome companies that aren't just tech companies. So we had like Lyft and DoorDash, but we also had Nordstrom, for example. And we had 150 women show up wanting to get jobs to be like them, right? And that was like super cool. And fast forward to when we did launch Career Karma, we started hosting events in the cloud on Zoom and in person in our, in our live workspace here in Soma. And that started working out very nicely. Um the problem with hosting things on Zoom and Discord and things like that is that it's not our own tech platform and those are built for the enterprise and we're limited on what we can do with that. And so we were inspired by 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 Discord and by by platforms like Clubhouse and, and others, and we're like, how can we how can we take what we've already built that works nicely to be reliant on ourselves? And so to your point, before everybody announced that they were launching audio rooms, we did launch audio rooms. And that's, that's where that came from. It came from our roots of organizing events and being in radio and having a podcast called Breaking the Starters that we launched in 2016. And it's, it's working very nicely today.
0: Yeah, that's great. So if I sort of like look back at what I've learned from your journey, so you started out, let's say blogging and talking yeah. about your experience in public, and then you started organizing... In person events, and then you started organizing virtual events, and then you started building a community. So, you like built that audience, that community, and then you started building out solutions that helped them get into sort of new jobs, helped employers as well. Sort of like, I think what I think of as sort of like the new path to entrepreneurship is that like audience community, and then some type of monetization comes later. And it sounds like that's what you all did. That's right. I mean, so to your point, what's
1: cool about audio rooms is like, even though Career Karma currently offers seven different career paths, and we plan to expand that to pretty much every career path that will exist in the future, even before we have those schools on the platform, Career Karma's audio rooms can scale to billions of people this year, next year, within the next few years, even before we had those schools on the platform, just by having people talking about stuff. We build the community first, and then we can start layering on, all right, now that we have people talking about these things, what schools should we add based off of what people are talking about or what they're interested in, okay? Now that we have schools that are there, you know what what companies are hiring people from there and, and so on and so forth. So there's a lot of stuff that you can do. But yeah, we we've gone community first and now we have a platform that's stable and strong that doesn't just exist on your phone on Android and iOS, but you can log in on the web which also gives us international access which we didn't
0: have before. Awesome. So I just maybe a few questions left and one of them I was going to ask is really about the future but how are you thinking about international expansion i know like india has just a sort of education market that's on fire right now like what are you all what are your thoughts on future international expansion yeah i think the
1: we definitely have to go international in order to reach a billion people but before doing that it's important to not just understand the education market but also to understand the labor market That's why I watch so many different international films and just to understand culture and stuff like that. But the reason why I bring up the labor market is because even though we have schools that we could work with internationally, if the people that graduate from those schools don't have jobs at the end, then it's a problem, right? Because the measure of quality for us is, do you get a job? And so as I think about the enterprise strategy and this head of business development that I'm looking to hire still still looking to hire by the way so send you referrals ideally I'm working with fortune 500 companies that don't just have a US presence but an international presence like PWC for example that just said that they're gonna put three billion dollars towards reskilling. because what's cool about it is like if if I can start in the US and keep doing what I'm doing now um, establish cartridges with them, then it's easy for me to go international and work with like I don't know London Business School or London Bootcamp. There's this is a bootcamp called Makers Makers Academy I believe. So a it's a bootcamp in in London. But then there's a if there's a guaranteed job at the end from a company that's based in London, then again that makes the school relevant. There's another school like The Wagon that's international like, right? but. You know they're all over the world, but I got to make sure that there's a job at the end. So like, I can talk to my guys. At, I know at the House of Lords in London and KPMG, and there's people that I could work with over there to figure out how to how to guarantee jobs for people there because they're looking to double down on reskilling as well. So I think the the approach before going international is have the companies that hire people internationally, regardless of which training that they get, and then launch
0: the schools based off of that. Got it. In okay. So that's yeah. yeah sure. So that's that's a very thoughtful approach. So think about the employers who's going to hire. Make sure that the students, when they sign up and get educated, are going to get a job. So that effectively that your product works outside yep. of the U.S. Uh, yep. Put that all in place and then expand. That makes that makes a lot of sense. So I know you all just announced a raise last week. Congratulations. You know, Thanks. can you talk a little bit about, you know, what drove the raise, how you're going to use the funds, what you're excited about with it. Yeah, so
1: we just announced our Series B last week, so forty million dollar raise. That makes fifty-two million in total that we've raised in the last three years. We currently have about three million people a month coming to us right now organically, and we're introducing about twenty-five thousand people a month to different schools. We're using this forty million to expand into higher education and the enterprise. Part of the reason why is you know I just mentioned three million people a month and twenty five thousand people a month, which means that there's a lot of people that want to do things that aren't just boot camps. Um, I think boot camps will continue to be relevant, but people want to explore colleges, they want to explore all kinds of post secondary education, and there will be more type, more types of innovative in, in, innovation in education that promises to get people jobs, and it's important for us to give people a sense of which one of those platforms are most effective at any given point in time. And since college is not going to go away, even though it's had the lowest enrollment in the last two years and it has in the last 50 years, um, I do think that college will evolve with the times. So we so we have to work with them in that regard so that they know what's going on. The reason why I know college will evolve with the times is because uh, they're launching short courses themselves. We, are, we already work with over 50 university boot camps. Um, so that's pretty interesting. And then uh, we're also expanding into the enterprise, like I said, that, that we talked about where employers are getting involved in funding tuition. So in order to, to do all of this, we need to actually... We have to invest in our team, so we have to not just on the operations side invest in a head of finance or head of business development or head of sales. We also need to build out our our product team, so we need to hire a head of product. We need to hire in our data side of things, and we also need to hire on our design side of things. So those are the those are the main areas that we're focused on 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 hiring to, to make our executive team more well rounded and then just staying heads down focus on execution as we continue to solidify our position as the category kings of
0: the rapper reskilling movement. Nice. Nice. I love that constant reiteration of the the category kings of rapid reskilling. I think that, that <laughs> I reinforcement works. Yeah, yeah. That <laughs> existed, you, know? you know what? Next time I talk about reskilling, I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, rapid reskilling, career karma. They're the number one player. So I, I, I think it works it out. And obviously, I think very clear on how you all are going to expand and sort of what it's going to take from a team perspective. So I think that's, that's fantastic. You know, I, I think this reskilling movement is huge. I grew up in the 90s and I sort of like remember NAFTA happening and I remember like very vividly watching some of these presidential debates with uh, Ross Perot, who was a third party candidate talking about these jobs being lost. And I think at the time, people were like, okay, yeah, we'll lose the jobs, but then we will re-educate people. And that just basically never really happened. And I think part of it was it just wasn't the infrastructure technology on it. And so I think this can be huge for America and other places in the world. So I think it's exciting what y'all are doing. Um, a couple last questions for you. You know, I almost sense you get like a, you have like a contrarian streak in you. And so like one of the things that stands out is you grew up in Atlanta, but you were staying in the Bay when I think a number of people are are leaving, you know, what is your sense on staying here as opposed to, you know, going somewhere else? What's driving you to stay in San Francisco? That's a really good question. If you look at how to make outsized
1: returns is by being contrarian and right and Most people that claim to be contrarian are not contrarian, including VCs. (laughs) I have learned a lot of them, you know, don't invest with conviction. They have to see who else is leading the round, for example. And they they sometimes have their own opinions, but if somebody else has a different opinion that maybe has more returns than they do, then they change their own opinion because they're not solid on theirs um that's not just taking shots at vcs that's just people in general as people understand yeah Um, people in general so you know it takes a lot of guts and a lot a lot of faith to be able to like be contrarian and right and to your point i think that the bay area right now is going through a lot of reckoning right we're like I don't think it's necessary to be in the Bay Area anymore. I think the government is getting in the way of a lot of things, and I'm I'm, I'm bullish on the Bay Area. You mentioned that I am staying in the Bay Area, which is true and not true. I'm okay. actually going to Miami. <laughs> I'm, okay.
0: <laughs> I, I'm, I'm,
1: I'm, I'm actually going to Miami the end of this month. And I have a few reasons for that, which I think is actually different than the reasons why other people are going to Miami. So the main reason why I'm going to Miami is, number one, I actually have an advantage in Miami being a Black founder that also speaks Spanish, because my first language is Spanish. And so in a world where there's not a lot of Black founders that have raised what we've raised from Silicon Valley investors and it's an up and coming tech hub that puts me in a really strong position not just from a from a up and coming tech hub perspective but also from a relatability perspective to the audience that we want to serve so in in miami 50% of the economy is in the service sector making 35,000 a year and they will be affected by automation like if they don't get tech, tech jobs they will be kicked out of where they live or they'll be priced out um similar things that happened in San Francisco will happen there. And I want to come up with a playbook to prevent that by, from happening by working not just with tech people, but my connections in the government and in, in higher education. I'm working with a guy named Saif who works with uh, Mayor Suarez over there and workforce development people like Rick Beasley to be able to come up with a playbook that can be replicated across the nation. So that's that's why. And then also my, my, my family is there, in Miami Beach and in Orlando, so I'm close oh, nice. to the family. With that said, I I want to I, I think that in order for us to accomplish what we want to accomplish, I'm going to have to be in in multiple places at once. So, like this tour of duty in my life will be in Miami, but you know I might have to go global next and spend some time somewhere else, and I might have to be in another part of the city. And right now, um, just to answer your question about San Francisco. I think San Francisco will have to innovate in order to to to, to stay relevant. But I, I do think that because of um, the way venture is changing with rolling funds and crowdfunding and crypto and tokens, the reliance on Silicon Valley is not what it used to be. Even the signal that, you know, of which investor invested in Iran, like it's relevant, but it's not as relevant as it used to be. And and people are really, really passionate about who they're raising money from. Um, a really good example of this is the rise of the family office. There's a lot of people that have gotten wealthy, not just because of tech, but just in general, that are starting to launch their own family offices. You're starting to see people in legacy industries, like in Dubai, for example, uh, the royal families are like, "Hey, like, yeah, we got all this money from oil, like, but we got to get into tech." If you look at SoftBank's. You know, I'm not speaking for them, but just like if you look at who they got their money from, where they get their money from, right? And a lot of these people are starting to, to get involved. We we've got a lot of family offices that are involved in career combo, like um, Laureen Powell Jobs. You know, we have Steve and Jessica Serwis from Forest Bay Partners, all multi-billion dollar funds. The 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 imaginable futures is, is uh, Pierre Omidyar's money from eBay, and so there's a lot of lot of power and in, in working with people that aren't just based in silicon valley um but but yeah that's my that's my perspective yeah with that said gary tan who's from initialize who led our series a top tier like that are based out here who led our series b they're very pro so san francisco and i'm i'm not anti san francisco i'm all about san francisco but i just don't think it's absolutely necessary to be there forever. I still think San Francisco is the NBA from entrepreneurs. I think for your series A stage and your seed run and your pre-seed run, it's still important to go there so you can really understand what it takes to cut your teeth. But then after that, as a founder, you can be anywhere. I think it's only relevant if you want to be a founder. If you're not a founder, you don't have to be in San Francisco.
0: Mm, yeah, I, I mean, look, I think there's a lot of great things that you said there that makes sense. So, you know, your family being on the East Coast in Florida, that's huge to have family around. I think your point about fifty percent of the the city, the employees being in services, and finding the opportunity to sort of create that workforce development, that roadmap that helps these sort of cities to avoid the problems that San Francisco has. If you all do that, that's a, that's fantastic. So, makes a lot of sense. Obviously, disappointing for San Francisco, but makes complete sense in what you all are doing. So, yeah, I, I just wanted to thank you for your time today, Ruben. This has been fantastic. Learned a lot. I really appreciate your time. I'm really excited thank about what Career Karma is doing. Thank you, man. I appreciate the opportunity, and I'm excited to listen to this again
1: in the future to see how we've executed on the goals that we have
0: spoken into existence. I'm sure it'll be great. Today. I'm excited for y'all to get a billion people reskilled by 2030. So, Let's do it. Looking forward to that.